The series that we're doing is 40 Years in the Making. Andrew, in fact, was the one that just kind of titled that for us, and it just grabbed us as a team from the very beginning. That what we're here and we're a part of is 40 years in the making. And what we want to guide you through in this celebration is, it's not 40 years just to celebrate the past and dwell only on that, but we want us to see this not as a finish line, but a starting line for where God is taking us and where God is taking Summit Church and the impact that I believe that God wants to have from a kingdom perspective. So when we look at this, our message today is testing, trials, preparation, and the promise. Here's the big idea, and you hear a lot about legend or legacy, and every time there's a political change of office, you'll often hear saying, I wonder what the legacy of this individual is going to be. I've done a lot of work on this in my own mind since I, you know, you, you become a father, and for my case, become a grandfather, and then a great-grandfather, right? And then words start to take on perhaps different meanings. And here's what I want to share is the big idea. You leave a legend by what you want others to remember about you when you're dead. But you leave a legacy by what others remember about you because you lived. Today we celebrate what people remember about God because this church and all of you have lived. That's what the legacy is about because we are here, walking in faith, growing in faith, this church for 40 years, what do others know about God because we live? Not because what they may remember about me. And by the way, they said, on average, it's not very long, by the way. As we celebrate here at Grace Community slash Summit Church, a church that has been used by God for 40 years, where people have come and met Jesus for the very first time. People have come to this church and grown in their faith. Many are still here and growing and serving here, but we've got people serving all over the world across the United States that this church, this family, has contributed to what God wanted to do in and through them. I want to take a look at a little bit of the history right now, and I'm going to invite you just to focus on a video. It's only about four minutes. There's no time to get popcorn. Stay where you're at. In fact, you'll see another one. You're not going to get popcorn then either, okay? But I want you to join with me and focus on the video for a minute, please. I, uh, a lot of folks contributed to that. Andrew's in their booth back there. Andrew, thank you. Just incredible work on that and very blessed. I've seen that several times, and every time I see it, I get God bumps. If you were sitting here today and all you got was goose bumps, then we'll do an altar call afterwards because there's something missing there, and we're going to help you with that process, okay? But you know, when we look at this and uh, we celebrate this, what God is doing, I, um, I began to look at some things, and I told Jim Ladd when he came in, I gave him a hug, and I said, you know... Um, if what you see is good, you had a hand in that. Um, and what you see is bad, you just weren't here long enough to take it out of me, you know, and that. But the other part of it is, is, you know, the older that you get, the more you learn from others in the process, you think. You think when you're young and you're a student, you learn from others. But I found that, of course, I've been married now, we're around 46 years, so every day I get to learn from my wife as she works on me. But our sons and our daughter and our grandkids, and our son who was a pastor, Chad, he um, very much into the significance of numbers, what God does with numbers, how important they are, what God means with these numbers from a kingdom mindset. 
And so I didn't go back and ask him this. I just learned so much about this. And think about this. If I were to look at you and say, Chloe, I got something for you, and I'll tell you once, no, I'll tell you twice. But if I tell you 10 times, well, let me shift because I wouldn't. But if your mother did, okay, or Connor told you this, the fact of the matter is you'd go, that's pretty important, isn't it? So when I looked at this number 40 and what God does with that, God used the number 40 146 times in the Bible. One translation actually uses that 149, but 146 times. And so even in a slow reading group, I'm going, I think this is important to God. And when I began to associate that with a 40-year anniversary, what God has used this number for, what the significance of this number means. And that was the, the name of the message when I talked about this, these trials and the testing and this preparation for the promise. Let's just look at some of these. We know Noah, right? 40 years. But look at the Scripture. God gives us this in Genesis 7-4, and He says this, Four in seven days. Don't you love it when God gives you a warning too? You know, it's kind of like your dad going, okay, in a week, I'm going to beat you. You know, you got a chance to process that. But in this one here, God, the Father says, okay, for, se for in seven days, I will send rain on the earth 40 days, 40 nights. And every living thing I have will be made, will, I will blot it out from the face of the ground. Now, pause with that for a minute, because you can read it from a very negative perspective and go, wow, destroying everything. But if you only look at what took place there and what the preparation was for, you miss it completely, don't you? Because what God was doing and what He said is, it's a fresh start. I've got something. If it was that good, I would have left it. But we're going to take away that. The promise is still real. What I'm preparing you for is still there. But now I'm going to take this drastic action, and I'm preparing you for a promise of the future. That's what we've got to read in that Scripture. So we see that. And then we get to this. Now look at the, the, the idea of Moses, right? <clears throat> Here was Moses. Again, testing, trials, preparation, but for the promise. Moses, 40 years he lived in Egypt. 40 years he lived in the desert in Midian. Then God used him to move forward in the next 40 and 40, you think they weren't important to him. But even then, think about this. God wasn't done with the 40s with Moses. Think about this. Moses goes, and in the presence of God, and in Exodus 24, 18, here's what God tells us in his scripture. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now, by the way, every time he went to the mountain, right, he went there to meet with God, and God sent him back with a promise, didn't he? God sent him back with a word for his people, and it was a time of testing, a time of trials, but it was a preparation for the promise is what God did with him. But then we go from there, right? And what do they have to do? He's leading them to the promised land. And I hadn't caught this, and I should have. In Numbers, it tells us this, the spies went into the land. And here's what he says, at the end of, do you see a recurring theme here? At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. Now get this, again, we have the trials, don't we? We have all of that in preparation for the promise. Twelve spies go into the land. Two, Caleb, Joshua, come back out, and they weren't afraid. Yes. What did the other ten say? They're bigger. They make us look like grasshoppers. They're so big. We can't possibly do this. 
But Caleb and Joshua understood that what they had done was in preparation for the promise that God had given them. And you know, it didn't turn out well, did it, for that time frame? Because what happened is they wanted to kill Caleb and Joshua. And God intervened on that. But you know, he still had a promise for them. And it's interesting, we say, well, now they have to wander in the desert. Where do we get such numbers about where they wander any place? Well, in Numbers 14, 34, here's what God tells them. According to the number of days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, get that? A year for each day, you shall bear your inequity 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. So for every day they were in the land despised, God's displeasure, right, says, then you'll wander in the desert one year from those. I didn't think of this in the first service. We, uh, we have two sons, and something happened where there apparently was a misunderstanding about what they heard or thought they heard, about what we said, about when they were supposed to be home. Now, I'm sure that's never happened in any other family. So we were unique in that regard, right? So my system wasn't complicated. I said, here's how this is going to work. Your curfew is set as an alarm in my clock in the bedroom. Your job is to turn it off before it rings. It's not complicated. And we don't have to worry about what your cell phone says. They didn't have them then. One had a pager. That was a long time ago. But it was the idea, right? They had to come in and turn off the alarm because, what was it? It was one hour for every minute they were late. And I hadn't even read this part. You talk about prophetic? How cool is that? Guess what, though? They started showing up on time, okay? But the bottom line is it was 40 days they were in the land, and now it's 40 years. But here's the part that's so important. You think that when we use that word displeasure, right, with God, that he says, well, you know what? You missed it. I'm not giving you that promise. You missed it. If you'd have done it right, we'd have been fine. But you didn't do it right. And I think what we've got to see here is there's times in our disobedience, God doesn't take away the promise, but he postpones it, doesn't he? God is still the God of promises that he made that we can count on. And that's why I say I love what Micah was singing there. Through all the seasons, through all the generations, he's never failed us. Why would he fail us now? He won't. But it's up to us in our obedience. And we see this with God, that even in that moment, and we read the Scriptures, I will never leave you nor forsake you in them. But remember, God didn't abandon them when they were in the desert. And Exodus goes on to say this, the people of Israel... They ate manna for 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan, which again, that was the promised land to enter into. God brought them to that point. So there's a lot of things that I think as we sit here at times, we go, well, this happened. We missed God's promise. This happened here. We missed everything God had for us. I'm going, no, he didn't. That in every season, God says, in your obedience, I won't fail you. And the promises of God are still real. And what he did to the people of Israel, what did he say was, look, what you thought was the end of something 40 years in the desert, boy, that's a trip, isn't it? But he said, I'm going to bring you to a new starting line, not a new finish line. And very often when we talk about this process, what happens is we look at things and we forget to look at it with God's eyes, that where we are today is our new starting line, not our finish line. What we're celebrating today in the legacy of this church, what God has done, 
Yes, we want to celebrate. I love the pictures. You'll see pictures out there and all of that. Oh my goodness, yes. But if you walk out of here with any one thing for Summit Church, know this. Today we have a new starting line. Today is the end of 40 years of trials and testing. Don't miss the preparation for what God has for us because God needs every one of us to be a part of that and he's got a place for every one of us in that. So he does that and we look at this and we say, well, that's, you know, that's cool, Chuck, but what else? You know, because a lot of times you say, you know, that's a lot, but could you show me a little bit more? Well, we look at the life of David. You know, David got his start by bringing food to his older brothers because he was too small to fight. And then he heard this guy on the other side, right, yelling out, you know, let's just give me one guy to fight. We'll decide this once and for all. Every day, morning and night, Goliath, this guy's name, would come out and taunt God's people. What do the scriptures tell us about that? In 1 Samuel, it says simply this. I don't know if you'll see a recurring theme here. For 40 days is how the scripture begins. The Philistine, that was that guy Goliath, came forward, took his stand morning and evening for 40 days. Again, we come back to this times of trials and testing and preparation. Because what was it preparation for? It was preparation for one man to walk in obedience and change the history of the world in that case, wasn't it? It took one man to walk in obedience after this period of trials and testing and preparation because all of that preparation was for what? The promise that God had for them. And then we continue to look at David there and Saul and Solomon. Think about this. We start off with Saul, right? You know when the Israelite says, told Samuel, would you give us a king, please? And that's one of those great sequences that I love. You know, because Samuel says, you, ha- you have a king, right? Think about it. And the people of Israel said, no, we want a real king. It's kind of like Pinocchio. I'm a real boy, you know, no. And how silly could that be, right? And then this conversation back and forth. So God says, okay, I'll give him an earthly king. Now he's going to take your kids and the first of your crops. He's going to do all of this stuff, right? But they still said that'd be great, right? So you go to Acts and here's where it says this. In Acts 13, 21, they asked for a king. God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin. Wait a minute. For 40 years, they had Saul. 40 years. And then came along David. You remember he had been anointed as king much earlier. He had to wait his time out for the time of trials and testing and preparation for the promise of him being the king. And there were times that he doubted it. But he followed this. And in 2 Samuel, it says this. David was 30 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned for. 40 years. Now we go to his son Solomon. Supposed to be, you know, the wise. At the time Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all of Israel was 40 years. Now we look at all of that stuff and you go, well, you know, sometimes it can just be a coincidence. Is it a coincidence that God used the number 40 146 times? Do you think God's that kind of a coincidental God? I don't. I think God has specific meaning for that. I think God wants us to understand that. God wants us to understand where we are at in the context of His viewpoint and what needs to take place. And then we go to a man named Jesus. You know, we know the, some of the early part and so forth, but now we look at the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Matthew 4, 1 through 3, here's what it says. 
Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, right? And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter, the devil, came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Forty days and forty nights. Jesus at his weakest, except when he hung on a cross, I think. Get that. At his weakest. And God, his heavenly Father, and him and his full earthly manhood, at his very weakest point, and that's when Satan comes and says, Look, just turn these stones into loaves of bread. And I love it because when you read that, we truly do understand. Forty days in the desert, forty nights, was a time for Jesus in preparation for His earthly ministry. Time of trials, wasn't it? But it was also preparation, wasn't it? Trials, testing, and preparation for the promise that God had given us. Oh, God had given us that promise in Isaiah. I mean, this isn't something new for God. This was the fulfillment of a process hundreds of years earlier, but it took His obedience to walk into the fullness, coming out of the trials and the testing and the preparation to get to the promise. And Jesus did that for us. You know, say, well, that's one thing with Jesus and so forth, but the reality, there are so many issues with the 40. 40 days also marks the time between Christ's resurrection and His ascension. Look what it says in Acts again there, right? It says this to us, that after His suffering, He presented Himself to them, He, Jesus, and gave many convincing proofs that He was alive. That's why we can sing, He lives. We know this to be true. Many convincing proofs He was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. 40 days, from the resurrection to the ascension. As we prepare to move forward as this church to what I believe, honestly, one of the greatest seasons this church has ever known and ever experienced. If you are visiting with us today, thank you for being here. If you call this your church home, or if you're here looking for a church home, I want to stand before you and tell you this. I believe this church has gone through a very significant time of trials, of testing, and of preparation. But remember this, it's all for the preparation of the promise. And I believe, everything I have in me believes, that God created, allowed this church to sustain right here to make an impact in Centennial, Colorado, in Arapahoe County, and draw a circle around this. And God says, as He says to Joshua, wherever you plant your feet, I will give you that land. And God's calling upon us to be a church that will plant ourselves in this community and be a life-giving church for people to come to know Jesus, for people to grow in their faith, get stronger, and to be sent. we got the Travers here with us. Paul's preaching in Delta today. But Lori's here with us, and daughter, and we're just going, they're in Kaiserslautern, Germany. And these are people we need to support and encourage with our prayers. And you understand, these are things that God is calling this church to. But we cannot get there if we see everything of the past 
without looking and seeing the starting line that we're on right now for all that God has before us. There's another video coming, and you're going to see people in the video here that uh, some of you are sitting next to, okay? I'm going to ask you to focus your attention on the screen again and again. Not enough time to get popcorn, but there'll be time afterwards for cupcakes. So just focus on the screen there. Hi, everybody. My name is Abby Hanno Davidson, and I attended Grace Community Church, now known as Summit, since I was born to this past Easter, so for about 27 years. I grew up in this building. I remember going to church orchestra practice with my dad, helping at luncheons for women in the halfway house with my mom, and being on this stage since I was three, doing so many special productions with the kids' ministry, fine arts, and later the worship team. I was on our traveling junior Bible quiz team with the Baldwins, which imprinted God's word into my heart and turned me into a little bit of a competitive person, which was furthered by our yearly Pinewood Derby. Shout out to my dad, one of your elders, for using his experience in aviation to help me win and at times beat his own daughter. As you all move forward, I am so excited for your opportunity to rebuild into a tightly knit church body focused solely on Jesus and the freedom that he brings. My name is Teresa Morrison and I've been a part of Summit Grace for 27 years. The one thing that I love about Summit Church is that leadership truly wants you to be connected with other believers. When my husband and I moved here from California, we didn't know anybody. We were encouraged by leadership to begin a community group. Well. Today, we are still leading one 26 years later. That led to other volunteer opportunities, and I began teaching a class under the Mission Arts program called Prims. That was another good way to meet families. I remember this one grandmother would bring her granddaughter, and the granddaughter had this beautiful, long red hair. Well, fast forward 20 years later, and I'm working in the summit office, and my office mate is Aaron Sarah. And we were talking about the past of the church. And Erin said, yeah, my grandmother, she used to bring me to missionettes. And I remembered that little girl with the red hair. And I said, oh my gosh, are you Erin Dorte? And she said, yes, yes, I am. And I said, I was your teacher. So how cool is that? That I was able to be Erin's teacher and then work with her for four years in the summit office. Well, I dug up a picture and here is little Erin. And she is right there in the pink, and she's working on Psalm 100. Hi, I'm C. Savalia. My family and I have been part of Grace Community Summit Church for the past 35 years. After retiring from the U.S. Treasury Department, my husband became the business administrator here in 1998. And he was in that position until he passed away this past December. We've pretty much been involved in anything and everything that's gone on here. We have hosted life groups, small groups. We have been on mission trips, you name it, and we've probably done it here. My encouragement to you would be to dive in, see where your aptitudes are, go to base camp, help them identify your your motivational gifts and where you fit in best, and then just do whatever God puts in front of you to help Summit Church and the Summit family be a light in this community and beyond. Hi, Summit family. I'm Kathy McShane. My family and I started attending Grace Summit in 1999. 
in 23 and a half years, um, we have seen a lot of changes, a lot of growth, um, walked through some really difficult times. Um, but through that, we have made some incredible friends, people who've become like family to us, people that my kids go to when they're going through something, people who've supported us through all of the different things that we've gone through in our lives over this time. We are so grateful for the time that we get to spend with our church family. And again, we've walked through a lot of changes, a lot of really difficult things through the church history, but I love how people have rallied together and supported each other and helped them get through all of the different things that we've had to, the different paths that we've had to walk. So, Happy anniversary. Um, we're so blessed to call this place home and uh, we love you guys. Greetings. My name is Steve Ramirez and I'm from Shiloh House. And I want to thank the Summit family so much for all you have done these past few years to support Shiloh and its mission and being able to make an impact on our youth and families that we serve. Without you, we would not be able to purchase the property that exists, that was that our FRP is housed presently. And I thank so much of your pastors from the past. Um, Terry, he made it a mission to, to support us, to encourage us, to be with us, and to help us purchase that land. And from that program, we have impacted thousands of families and youth. So thank you, Summit. I thank you for these past years of your continued support and being with us. Just to leave a, a word um, in Joshua of 1, 9, it says, Be strong and of good courage. <clears throat> be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever, whatever thou shalt do. Be strong. And through all these times that we have struggled, and as a body, we have gone through ups and downs, God has still been with us, and he continues to encourage us, and he tells us to be strong and stand still and listen to him. So from the bottom of my heart and from Shiloh House, thank you so much for all you have done and supporting us and being with us and guiding us and standing with us. God bless you guys. Thank you. Summit Church, we are honored to be included in your celebration of 40 years of ministry. We are Jerry and Marie Inquist, and we began attending Grace Community Church in April of 1984 and continue to serve here for 23 years until we left to help start Plum Creek Church in Castle Rock. I served for 18 years on the Board of Deacons, 15 of those as the Corporate Secretary. I also served President of the Board when our founding pastor, Del Roberts, died. My most cherished memories are probably the 18 missions projects that I was involved in and allowed to be a part of. Uh, we worked on several churches, Teen Challenge facilities, Ark Children's facilities, an inner city church in Atlanta, and the restoration of homes in Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina. Marie and I were able to visit a couple of the churches that we had worked on recently, and they're both still flourishing. The relationships that we built on those projects are strong and continue to be strong. Our son Bryce was born and raised here, and where we were, he was there also. It is how Bryce learned to serve and he is now very active as um, children in, within the children's ministries of High Point Church. 
In our 23 years, along with missions, there was fine arts, Bible quiz, both at the local and district level, and hosting and leading small groups. We also catered several dinners and youth retreats. One was a combined youth retreat of 250 students attending. The facilities were never ideal, as Steve Barton can attest, but we had fun. My one great passion is drama, and I got to use it in abundance at Grace. It was a massive undertaking to put three or four plays together in a year. Acting in and directing the plays impacted our lives in so many ways. You cannot play the part of great people of faith without it affecting who you are. It made us into better people who want to share Christ in our everyday lives. We continue to pray for the success and impact of Summit Church. Hey, Summit Church, uh, Pastor Doug here from down in Castle Rock at Plum Creek Church. And listen, as I reflect back over the last 16 years that we have been uh, working together and uh, seeing the, the ministry of Plum Creek uh, get started, my heart is so full today as I reflect on the integral part that each of you have played in helping us be who we are and where we are today. God knew exactly what we needed. And listen, in retrospect, looking back, if I would have known what to pray for, I would have prayed for you guys. I would have prayed for a church that would support us, believe in us, and have that kind of vision to see a church started in Castle Rock. I would have prayed for leadership like you've had and irrational generosity like you've had to help us uh, get started all those years ago. And I hope as you celebrate your anniversary, your hearts will also be stirred with vision for the future of what God is going to continue to call you to do. And you chase those God-given and God-sized dreams with the heart to do whatever it is that he's calling you to do. And as you look at what God has done, let that be the inspiration for what God is calling you to do in the future. Because your history is one that shows an incredible church that will chase after whatever it is that God is calling you to do. And it's making a difference, continuing to make a difference all over this whole front range area, but also all around the world. So my heart is full today with gratitude as I think of all that you've done, the way that you guys supported and encouraged and came alongside uh, us as we were getting started and continue to pray and to believe uh, for God to do big things down here in the Plum Creek Valley, but also through you guys in your local church there. So I just wanna say thank you. Keep chasing those dreams. Keep saying yes to whatever it is that God has for you. And listen, we're grateful. So thank you for everything that you've done for us. Happy anniversary, Summit Church. My name is Jim Ladd. I was the lead pastor there for a while and had the privilege of serving my entire time there for about nine years, some of the best nine years of my entire life. <clears throat> what a history of God's favor, of endurance, of stamina in the congregation. When I think about Grace and Summit, I think about a handful of things. First, I think about people. Never before in my life had I been in a church that had such a high volume of amazing high quality people. Still the truth today, super, super proud of the people of the church. And that really is the church. The second thing I think of is irrational generosity. And we planted five churches in five years. We bought uh, land in Malawi, had seven acres, built uh, AIDS orphan homes and an AIDS treatment center. They're doing multiple teams going to Malawi every single year, two or three teams a year. We did the community center in downtown Denver in the Globeville area. 
supported lots of missionaries, kindness to people in the community, just the radical, radical generosity. Uh, I also just think about uh, how unified and powerful the body of Christ is. And so I want you to know, man, the, the former years are nothing compared to the future years. Because of who you are and who Christ is in you, I can say with absolute confidence, the best is yet to come. A couple of silly stories. We had a Sunday morning, I'm preaching my heart out, and we started hacking and coughing in the auditorium, only to have somebody come down and tell us that a kid upstairs had sprayed their mother's mace into the AC ventilation system. We had to shut down church and send everybody home. Uh, another time on a Sunday morning, one of our pastor's kids had found access to the roof, and we had somebody come and inform us that we had a kid on the roof mooning the cars on I-25. Uh, some great memories. I love you guys. I'm proud of you. And I know the best is yet to come. Thanks for being the people of God in that great city for that long of a time. God bless you, Summit Church. As I said, Jim Ladd is here. Um, you have to ask yourself, what kind of a pastor sends a kid to put his mom's mace in the air conditioning unit and uh, allows his pastor's kids to be mooning people on I-25? I don't know what kind of attraction that is for the church, but Jim will be in the lobby and you can discuss that with him there. And then uh, normally when you make statements like that, you give a person an opportunity to kind of share their side of the story. That's not happening today, Jim. However, yeah. <laughs> However, I, I am going to tell you this. Jim and I are working on dates where he can defend his side of the story for that, okay? You know, when I, um, again, just the God bumps on that and so forth, the real question is, what's Summit Church going to look like in the next 40 years? What's it going to look like tomorrow and the year that follows? There was a couple of things that came out, and I caught the same theme with Jim and with Doug Miller there, but it flowed through. And as I saw the impact that Summit Church, Grace Church has had, I look here and Cease and Marie watching each other on the videos were high-fiving each other's or elbowing each other. The young man Bryce they talked about is sitting there right next to him, still very active in church. Abby was our first one. If you didn't recognize her, she was up here on the worship team. I remember sitting behind Team Reed as they were always on the one side and we were about four rows behind them. You know, and now, um, you know, you just see all of these things and what God has done and continues to do. But I want to come back to this same thing. God's not done with us. Where we've been has been a time of trial, testing, and preparation. But remember, the preparation is for the promise. And here's what I want to tell you. I listened to the stories and that theme, Jim said it and Pastor Doug said it, irrational generosity. I heard that every time. And let me just tell you, you're going to hear a lot more about this from us, but we want to be a church that claims this area. We want to be a church where people get to know Jesus. We want to be a church where people can come in and grow in their faith. We want to be a church of irrational generosity because I believe God is calling us to that in this season ahead. But here's the deal. That's not for a pastor to say. It's not for elders to decide that's our new vision. That's got to be the culture of a church, of a people of God that says, this is who we are. And as a result of who we are, this is what God is calling us to do. 
I want you to know for each and every person sitting here, regardless of your age, color of your skin, whether you're visiting, whatever, you're part of God's plan. And the thing that sticks with me is simply this. God wants his story to become part of your story so that your story for an eternity will be part of his story. Just think about it. God wants his story to become part of your story so that for an eternity, your story will be part of his story. That's why we're here today. That's why we've come to celebrate. But more than anything, I want to remind you, we are now at a starting line. What an honor and privilege it is to be here at the starting line with you because God wants us to have some reckless plans and a vision and a heart and get after big God-sized dreams. Remember, God wants his story to be part of your story so that your story for an eternity will be part of his story. We're going to go into our response time now. And there's a lot of things that we do on this. I want to remind you of everything that's going on out in the atrium, the opportunity for the photo booth, the pictures that are just past the coffee bar and those cupcakes. I haven't had any yet, but I'm going to have. And here's why. As we talk about the legacy, we saw Bob Zavalia's picture up there, you know, with the shovel and the little sign. It was well done. Cease is here with us faithful as ever, 35 years. She started here before junior high. That's why she's so young, right? Okay. Bottom line is, is that when we talk about a legacy of what people know about God because of a person who lived, I want to tell you, Bob Zabaya lived. Oh, yes, he did. And many of us are here because we know more about God. And one guy told me walking in, the very first Sunday he came here, Bob Zavalia met him at the door and said, you're where you're supposed to be. And two weeks later, the man was baptized here and has been in this church ever since because Bob lived. So when I have a cupcake, red velvet, I'm going to say happy birthday to Bob Zavalia because he's part of God's legacy in this church. You're part of God's legacy in this church. As we... Uh, we turn to our time now of response. Whatever's been said here, you've seen. You know what? It's not near as important as you doing whatever God put on your heart. What's the question you got to answer? Is it a time for you to give thanks for what's done, what's taken place in this church, in your life, and in your family? And to pause and remember that as it propels you to the future. Is it a time for you to say, you know what? It's time for me to make a decision and get to the starting line with Summit Church because God's got big plans and I want to be a part of them. Maybe that's the decision. Maybe there's something you need to do very actively. I'm going to give you some choices. To your left is a cross. It's got a hammer and nails. There's one prayer request up there. It's there for a reason every Sunday because it was on a cross like that that Jesus said, it is finished. Maybe there's things you're struggling with. Maybe there's things you need to put there. But whatever is nailed to the cross, I can tell you this. Whatever prayer or concern, you're going to have people praying for you and with you. We have a prayer team on both sides. You'll see the signs there. 
They're there to pray with you and for you. If you need to step back to a chair and sit down, we're right there. But also there's communion available there. If you'd like one of them to walk through that with you, they're there. If you'd like to do it on your own, step back to an area, you're free to do that. But I want to encourage you. What has God placed on your heart today? What is it God is calling you to respond to? What is the question that your soul is asking that only God can answer for you? That's why you're here today. Let's celebrate what God has done, but let's get ready because he's not done with us yet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you, Lord. We thank you for this time of celebration. We thank you, Father, as we look back for trials and testing and preparation because we know that all of it was preparation to lead us to a promise. Father, we don't want to miss that. We don't want to have it deferred. Father, we want to walk in the fullness of who you are. Father, I love those words, irrational generosity. And I think of what you did with your own son, how irrational it is to any father to think of doing that. Yet you loved us so much that you did what would seem irrational to anyone here. But Father, that's what it took for us. So Father, I pray for each one of us that would you give us the courage to respond in the manner that you've called us to, whatever that is. Give us the freedom and the courage to move about for prayer, communion, the cross. But Father, we give you all of the credit and the honor and the praise and the glory. And all of God's family said, Amen.